Amen. I give honor to uh, Elder Elder Hart and his family, and also Bishop Schoonover and his uh, sister Schoonover for all the oversight that they have and um, allowing us to travel back and forth. And my elder, Laksamana, you will meet him and his beautiful family and his beautiful kids next in a few weeks. In two weeks. Amen. Amen. Let's go, uh, Brother Rene. God bless you. And Brother Jerry. First uh, Kings chapter 17. God put this strongly on my heart these past few weeks. And this is a very familiar story to some. Please don't check out already. And I know this story of the one of the greatest prophets ever to walk the earth, that mightily used of God. But there's some details. I knew that God, when he prompted my heart just to go in, and we're going to go through about four chapters. Don't worry. I'm not long-winded. I'm very short. This is my first time ministering two services, so I'll keep an eye on the clock. Those clocks, those arms are a little dark. That background is dark, so somebody just keep tabs on me. My wife, tell me when it's uh, 9, 10, 30. Okay, I'll be fine. Amen. Second service, we can go all day, all the way till evening. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, Brother Luis, thank you for sharing and being transparent and uh, opening up about ministry and what God is doing in your life and the people that have encountered you've encountered with. Um, it's a special place in the ministry of God to pour out into a person, and that's what really keeps us going. Uh, God has blessed us to step into His marvelous light, right? To be the salt and the light of the earth. He's baptized us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not just over with baptism. And um, to be able to pour out into somebody else is amazing. And it marks us deeply. Amen. And you, um, you mentioned 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, um, actually, Brother Randy, go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Very, you mentioned the mortal man putting on the mortality. And we know as... The prophet Elijah, I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, he was a great man of God, wrought various miracles throughout the land of Egypt. But he fled for his life in the end. And uh, we'll, we'll read that soon. But here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For the working of the Lord. Amen. And just downstairs in prayer, I just heard the Lord tell me. The, the, the spiritual man, afraid of the natural death. Afraid of the natural weapons of this enemy, of, of this world. Don't be fearful what, who, who can kill this mortal flesh. This mortal man is just but temporary. Our life is but a vapor. But fear the one that can kill not only the, the, the body but the soul. Amen. And in... We get to see this process of Elijah doing these various miracles in his life and his journey through his years, his three and a half years of it not raining and then it raining. We'll read all that, but in the end, whosoever will lose his life shall lose, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. For a greater purpose, because there was somebody that he poured himself into. Let's read from verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah and the prophecies that no rain will fall. And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Amen. The first scripture of a chapter usually sets the outset of any story. And you can miss some things. You can gloss over it really quickly if you're not careful. But... He says to Ahab, you remember this setting is uh, Ahab is the, ru the ruler, the king of all of Israel. He has the power and authority to take any man's life. You can compare it to almost like a president or a dictator. And he's not living in complete holiness. He's not living to the right righteousness of God. He's liable to do, to do evil things, and he already has. But Elijah, in this moment, he is confronting him and saying, there will neither be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. But he says this in the middle of the scripture. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. Before whom I stand, brother Azario. Standing like as a faithful servant means you're 
praying before God, seeking him early. I'm not just declaring words, but there's substance, there's sustenance behind what I say. Because I am standing before God before I even came to before the King Ahab himself. There was a prayer life of Elijah. He wasn't just a prophet from the beginning. He says that, I'm going to jump ahead, he's, from, uh, he's a Tishbite from the land of Gilead. And in the end, when he's um, fleeing for his life, he's under the juniper tree saying, Lord, this is enough. He's saying, I'm no better than my father's. We'll read that in the head. I know I'm jumping, but I want to paint this picture of this is just a mortal man. He's a mortal man. Uh, maybe you can even say a nobody from nowhere. A Tishbite from the land of Gilead. Uh, didn't really look too much at what tribe he is. He could be from Gad or from, or from Dan. But point is, his father's committed sins. They're no, he says, I'm no better than them. A man that came from a broken family probably. But st- somehow goes before King's elder heart finds a prayer life, and, be, and he says, I stand before God today. It wasn't like this before in his beginning walk, but he found a prayer walk. He found a, a relationship, Brother Martin. It wasn't perfect in the beginning. How many of us, just full of the Holy Ghost, came in here and just was able to flow with Elder Hart and talk through the scriptures diligently and point out all the facts and be able to get receive rhema from the word and just be able to minister? It wasn't like that. It was a slow progress. You see this all throughout the Bible, each man going through, maybe they came from nowhere. Peter was just a simple fisherman, but he became fishers of men. And dude, with power on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost gave him power to be able to minister the word with boldness on on that day. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, and the word of the Lord always coming to him, because he's standing upright before God. This is a beautiful thing, and you don't gloss over too quick. Verse 1 and verse 2. Okay, he's a man that stands before God. He's receiving the word because it says the word of the Lord came to him. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, and that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I'll, I'll, I'll pause after. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. Amen. Obedience. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, and that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. It doesn't rain in all of Israel, for maybe in all the earth, for a space of three and a half years. But God provided. God honored the word that he put in this man's mouth. The man, the Tishbite, you can even say a nobody, but he became a somebody in God, and God honored his word. And not, these are drastic words. I'm sure Elijah was, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. I'm sure that thought crossed into his mind. Man, what am I going to drink? I don't have enough supplies in my cottage or my tent. Actually, I'm a man from nowhere. I don't, I don't have a place to lay my head. He acted on faith. He just, Lord, I'm going to be obedient by your word, and I will say it without, without questioning it for my own supply. I will just work and react. Amen? God doesn't use, like, what's a, somebody help me out here. What's a bird that stores and that, uh, that's diligent? I know uh, Sister Rodriguez. A woodpecker? Okay. Woodpecker, I see little, uh, I, won't, I won't say raven's dove. I don't know how, what, what a dove does. Eagles, there we go. An eagle is very territorial, ter- territorial, and they definitely provide for their young. But a raven, on the other hand, this is a scavenger, almost like a vulture. It's not meant to give food to others or supply or share. But God uses almost the impossible. He uses the impossible to be a provision in the time of drought. Amen. You see these things, and like I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I gloss over it. I want to jump to the meat of the story. I want to jump to the action scene where they're on the Mount Carmel and God's raining down fire. But there's so much importance in between every verse. It's alive. Amen. And it came to pass after a while, the book dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So there's... We don't know the timeline, but it's getting close. Maybe let's just say at least a year. 
the brook dries up. So now uh, Elijah's still depending on, on God. And here he's still standing. I want to say that he's still standing before God because, and the word of the Lord in verse 8, came unto him again. And the word of the Lord, you're going to hear me say this over and over because this is very important in any walk. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee unto Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Notice how he says, I have commanded. I, in verse 4, he also commanded the ravens to feed. And now he's, he's telling Elijah, I, has, I have also commanded a widow to sustain thee in Zidon. Verse 10, so he arose, obedience, and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Remember, supplies are short. There's no toilet papers at Walmart. It's running low. Everyone's going crazy. But pay attention to what verse 12 says. And, as, and she said, as the Lord, no, no, hold on. I think I jumped ahead. Verse 11, and as she was going to fetch it, sure, I'm short on water. There's, it hasn't rained in so, so long, and, I mean, everybody around me is just, like, panicking. They're, they're stealing water. How many have been desperate for water? We're living in a des- desert right now. <laughs> Brother raised his hand in the back. This is important. This is very important to her. But she just obeys. Remember, the Lord said in verse 9, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee but elijah doesn't stop there he called her and said hold on hold on hold on as you're going bring me i pray thee a morsel of bread in thine hand he doesn't stop just at water he's testing her and she said as the lord thy god liveth as the lord thy god she notices something about him as the lord thy god thy liveth i have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise and behold i am gathering two sticks that i may go in and dress and in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die and elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me after make for thee for thy son i want to point out this simple fact that Zarephath is a Phoenician city. It's between Sidon and um, Tyre on the coast of Israel. And this is probably the epicenter of Baal worship. And if you know the story, Jezebel is Ahab, King Ahab of Israel, married a Canaanite, well, a uh, Phoenician princess named Jezebel. I want you to understand that even though some, there's wickedness in the earth, God still makes a provision in the midst of all of it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, God could have, he, he created the heavens and the stars, the heavens and the earth. He could have surely left that, the brook of Cherith full of water, the full span of three and a half years. But he wants to make a point to Elijah. It doesn't matter where you go or how I provide, whether it's here in ease and comfort, I'm going to put you in the midst of the most abominable thing. The place where it gets a little controversial, you might not be able to stand up for for who I am. Elijah's name means the the Lord Jehovah is my God, my strength. Amen. Uh, Let's read from verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to what? Elijah said, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Let's jump down to verse 17. And it came to pass after these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. There's another issue. Why couldn't the Lord just make it so easy? You commanded her to feed me, but now I have to operate in the supernatural more. And the Lord, let's jump down to verse 22. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Remember, a man that stand, stood before God. And the soul of the child came unto him again. He goes into, he, he begs the lady to give her son to him. He runs him upstairs, lays on top of his body, and he prays for him three times, and he revives. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother, saying, See, thy son liveth. Verse 24. 
And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. The word of the, ma- of the Lord is in your mouth, Brother Jacinto. Then this, let's jump to chapter 18. We're done with one. We got three more to go, guys. If you must, just get up and just start praising. Amen. <laughs> I won't mind. I'll take it as a compliment. God promises to send rain. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So we're getting close to three and a half years. We know that the Bible says that it is three and a half years. So this is somewhere in between. It could be three years in one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, somewhere around there. And it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go show yourself to Ahab. So verse 2 says, Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. I'm going to jump to verse 12, but I'll just give you a little bit of uh, background on verse 3 to 12. So there's a man, there's a prophet named Obadiah, the governor of Ahab's house. And he hears about Elijah. Elijah is probably the most wanted man at this time. Well, not yet, but he is definitely working his way. He's probably number nine on the top ten list right here. I actually watched last Sunday's service, and I heard uh, uh, Brother Heiner mention um, Moses being top ten most wanted. And I, was just, I just chuckled because it was the same exact thought I had about this uh, great prophet Elijah. Amen. Uh, so he meets him, and he has some dialogue. Hey, man. Um, you're Elijah, he even bows before, he bows his face to the ground, and he has uh, very highly respect for Elijah, obviously. He probably hasn't seen him at all, physically. Back in these days, they don't have Instagram, Brother Ethan. I don't mean that like you have Instagram. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I love you guys, that's why I'm saying your names. But they don't have social media, they don't have Verizon, T-Mobile to send Pictures of selfies and here, this is what I look like. <laughs> they simply just hear the words of, of stories and great, 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 great stories of people. And it's, you know, they, they keep it. But there was something supernatural about this moment if you miss it because he recognizes him right away. There was something about a spiritual man that you recognize his spirit. And he said, this isn't just a normal man. <laughs> this must be the prophet, Elijah. Amen. So... I spared you all the details that probably took just as long as it took if I were to read those 12 verses. Sorry. <laughs> Verse 12, and it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come to tell Ahab he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. I forgot to include this. He tells, uh, Obadiah is trying to... Um, Give him a little bit, give Elijah a little bit of background of himself. He says, you know, I'm Obadiah, I'm the governor of Ahab's house, and do you remember the time, did you hear the story about me uh, when Jezebel tried to kill all the prophets of God? I hid a hundred of them in a cave by the 50s. So he's giving a little background, he's like, but, if, are you, wait a minute, you're wanting me to go tell King Ahab that uh, you want to meet with him? And what happens if God just takes you up in, a, in, in, in the air and, like, you don't even show up? Surely I'm going to die. And I won't be a man of my word if I say that you're going to present yourself before him. And it kind of brings me back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Brother Luis, he wasn't willing to go all the way. He was willing to hide 100 prophets just as long as he didn't get caught. But if Obadiah were to get caught, it would cost him his life. Because we see here in these short little transactions of conversation, he says, surely he will kill me. He shall slay me, but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. I fear the Lord, but it's not good enough. I have to be willing to go all the way. He shall slay me. He was fearful of his life. And that word that I got in prayer this morning downstairs, that the, super, the, the spiritual man of, shouldn't be afraid of the natural knife, of the natural weapons of this earth. 
Verse 13, was it not told by my Lord what I did with Jezebel through the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men? He explains this. I'm sorry it was here. Verse 14, and now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of the host liveth before whom I stand, here we go again, I will surely show myself unto him today. I'm a man of my word, Obadiah. And so Obadiah tells him, uh, King Ahab, and they, they have this contest on Mount Carmel, and this is where we're going right now. Verse 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Art thou he? Even the youth could trouble Israel. You know, this is uh, one of the, this is the popular uh, verse in, in, in many people's quotes. Art thou he that troubleth anything? And look at the response of Elijah to Ahab. I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam, or Baal. It wasn't Elijah's like, own decision working on his own because he just wants to declare God's glory, but it was because of the wickedness in the earth. It reminds me of the scripture, where, where sin doth abound much more, so, doth, so does grace much more abound. I believe that we're living in a time if sin abounds more in our communities, so does grace much more abound. And God will, array, will, will raise up, doesn't have to be prophets. Remember, I told you this man was a Tishbite of Gilead. He says, as my father's in the end, we'll read that, but a man from nobody, a man from nowhere, he doesn't give an account of his parents, brothers, are you? But a man that made a decision coming along this far in the journey is able to go before kings and queens and declare God's glory to be sustained so far yet by ravens, by scavenging ravens and, and the brooks of God and also a widow and also reviving life. We read halfway through the story. Here's a great contest. Verse 19. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel. Everybody say all Israel. Unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the Groves, 400. So there's a total of 950, we all know this, which eat at Jezebel's table. They're close with her. They know what she wants. She, they know her business. They know her accounts. They know they're going to execute this. But Elijah just doesn't count, call for the prophets, the 950, and King Ahab, maybe Obadiah. Jezebel is not there. We read this. But notice... Gather to me all Israel, all of the people. For what purpose? We'll read that later, but if God's operating in your life and doing the miraculous, doing supernatural things, healing the sick, making the blind see, it's not just for our for it's not just for glory of our own to boast about him, but it's for the saving of people. He says, Gather unto me all of Israel. I'm sure there's cries being petitioned up to the Lord of hosts at this moment saying, man, this wicked, this wicked ruler, how could he bring this, Can this, Jez this Phoenician princess and raise up all of these altars of Baal and this worship? I heard from my dad about his God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. What happened to this? People are praying and interceding. God raises up a prophet. Now the stage is set that God would do a miracle before people that were hungry, people that would see the difference between two opinions. The stage is being set. I see a stage being set before us right now in our community, not just in our communities, but in the earth, in the world, in our nation, in our capitals, on the west side of the mountains or even in here. It doesn't matter who's in positions in the high places, but I know the God of Israel, the God, the, the, the man Christ Jesus, God robed in the flesh, is the, the author and the finisher of every faith. Amen. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt, halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Neither hot nor cold. 
Then said Elijah unto all the people, unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men plus the 400. But he says this, I, even I, only. He singles himself out. Pay attention to this. We'll come back to this uh, in a different chapter. Let them go before us, two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves. And cut into pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And ye call on the name of your gods, and I will call the name of the Lord. And the God answereth, by fire let him be God. And all the, ans- all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay. The stage is set. I just heard this crazy thing that you're announcing right now. We're all gathered around this mountain. We see the 950 people. They're, they're, they're rolling deep. You're one man here on this side, and 950. Ding, ding, ding. I think they're going to win. But all of Israel, God is doing this on purpose. All of Israel's gathered and watching this great thing. Remember, this, is, this, is a, this isn't just a day or two where people are fixated on Bell, and this is a lifetime. This is a lifetime, all the way from Jeroboam. If you read in the book of Kings and Chronicles, he resurrected and brought in all of these pagan worships and all of these, the, the sacrifice, they sacrificed their own offspring. But if you read into that, you'll see the son of, was it Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Joshua, the son of Nun. I love how the Bible, this is side note, I'm on a tangent. I love how the Bible says the fathers of the sons. It almost puts responsibility on the father to his son. It labels it for specifically, and I, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Not only do we read about it today, but every person, every reader of the Bible will always remember the father of Jeroboam, the one that brought in all of the wickedness. Fathers, you are responsible for what you tell to your children, what you present before them. We're wrestling in a different time frame than here now. It's up to the Holy Ghost and your elder, but submitting yourselves unto God to be able to discern what's proper. Amen. So let them go before us, two bullocks. No, no, no. Let me read that verse 27. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking. Or taking, yeah, talking, or he is pursuing, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. So the prophets of Baal, they're going all to the afternoon, from early morning all the way to afternoon, trying to call for fire. They're trying their antics and trying to, you know, all throughout the Bible, even in the in Exodus, you can see, or yeah, you can see uh, prophets having supernatural powers. When Moses uh, confronts Pharaoh, Pharaoh's prophets have the ability to turn their staffs into snakes, the serpents. They're small little things that they can operate in the spirit, but absolutely here, you feel God setting up a boundary around Mount Carmel. Uh Uh-uh. He's saying, there is no spiritual dominion here today on this mountain because my name is going to be declared. Amen. I want, I hope somebody gets it in their spirit today. When God has you in a place and he wants to declare his glory in a house, in a Bible study, you declare the same kind of authority over this, over your, over your place, where you're at. God says, I'm going to shut the mouth of lions right now. I'm going to silence the enemy. There's no more doubt, no more fear. But I want to make it so obvious that there is no fire. There's not even going to be a, like a little amber that's going to be flying in the air. But Elijah makes it so obvious. He, he does the impossible here. They cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Now they're getting desperate. They're cutting themselves. They're thinking that the blood might be some sort of uh, mystical thing that might just charge Bell. Or it's it's wonderful to know the the living God, Amen. It's wonderful because I bet you we are sitting here just like Elijah and just man, only if you knew, because uh, I know the living God. I know what He's done in my life. Let me tell you about my God, Amen. 
They cried aloud, and it came to pass when midday passed, and they prophesied until the time of offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor to answer, nor that any regarded. No voice to answer, nor any that regarded them. No matter how loud they prayed, there was no voice. There was nothing. Zilch. Nada. Now let's transition to the one man on the left side. Remember, we got the 950. They cried all morning. They cut themselves. They're praying all loud, and nothing happened, not even a voice. One man on his own. Elijah said unto all the people, one man on his own, the Tishbite, from nowhere. Come near unto me, and all the people, say all the people again. All the people. He says it twice in this verse. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near me. And all the people came near unto him. All the people for the saving of much souls. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And the same stones uh, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. So he tells even uh, the people there to fill the trench up with water. And verse 36, I want to jump down there. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word, your word, Lord. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. I never read this story like this. Brother, I, I would look for the action scenes and just like, man, I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. I've got faith. But for what purpose? What purpose, Brother Luis? Why, do, why does God operate in our lives on such a supernatural way where people say, what's that peace inside you? What's, how, how, God delivered you that way from addiction? For what purpose, Brother Martin, that all the people has turned their heart back again? It's for the turning of the hearts of men and souls from perish, from eternal damnation. God had a purpose for Elijah, and it wasn't just for the notoriety and for the fame of one man from nowhere. I keep on saying that, but it was for many men. God moved through one man, but it was for the saving of souls. It was for his glory because the God of Abraham is the God with Abraham now in the heavens. And he's like, there's much more people. There's much more people that need to spend eternity with me that I love and that I adore. Then I will send a man to do something so, so obscure, so ridiculous, so unlike the natural. But I'm going to prove a point when I want to prove a point because I love these souls. I knew my servant would say, gather all of Israel. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't saying, well, uh, Ahab, bring, maybe bring one street block of people. Bring one community. Just in case it doesn't go through, Brother Renee. But he trusts the Lord in such a way that he says, bring all of Israel. Bring all of Selah. It doesn't matter how many people or the audience that requires, Lord. But I will just react on your word. I will be obedient because I know it's your word. You're faithful to the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You already saw it done in the end. For your glory, Jesus. For the saving of much people. I want to share a quick testimony. Summer in the middle of 2020, my mother, she, she lives in the islands of Chuk, Micronesia. Does anybody know Micronesia? For the, the Adelaide's for sure. <laughs> Makes me happy. Because <laughs> I go anywhere and nobody's like, where? Hawaii? Like, okay, yeah, Hawaii. 
somewhere in the middle of that big old Pacific Ocean. She's there. She's, um, she's got the Holy Ghost. She's baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. She's beautiful. Uh, God did him. That's, an, that's a treasure of, uh, that's a gem. It's a precious gem, what God did in that season. And these are little things that I get to hold on to. And it helps me when I approach Mount Carmel's. And I have to, I have to defend, I have to defend my faith. Amen. So she calls me and I can hear this just urgency in her voice. And my mom's she's tough. You know, old school, they're islanders, they're tough. They can survive. She grew up in the islands. I'm I'm born and raised here in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> Man, I don't even like tap water. I'm weak. I need something bottled. Like if, is that your water bottle? Okay, it's, I'm not going to drink from it. That's how spoiled I am. But my mother, she's, she's one tough cookie, and I'm thankful that she's got the Holy Ghost. But I remember when she called me in the middle of 2020. We're already dealing with our stuff here, right? She says, Jeremy, we have no water. We have no water. I'm thirsty. She's on the... There's four, like about 40 different islands that consist, that make up the islands of Chuk, Chuk Islands. She lives on a little tiny island, uh, I don't know how many miles, called Seas. These are weird names, I know. She has to catch a little uh, boat to the main island. We only have one main capital island with an airport, telecommunications center, a um, couple stores. There's no water on her little island. Sources run dry. She's... On the main island, that's how she has Wi-Fi. She's calling me through Facebook. But I hear the urgency in her voice. She's saying, Jeremy, there's no water. So I'm like, what? What do you mean there's no water? There's no water. There, there, it hasn't rained in so long. There's no boats coming in because of the port being shut down because of COVID. There's nothing. Stores are empty. I'm here on the main island. There's no water in the stores. It puts such a fear in my heart, honestly. I said, whew. Mom, and my mom's tough, and she's with the Holy Ghost, she just uses that old island toughness, like, it'll be okay, I'm just going to pray, you know, with, with God, all things are possible, and I'm like, yes, mom, yes, mom, just keep that faith, I hang up the phone, and I begin to weep, and I say, I need to agree with somebody, this is going back to Elijah, because Elijah thought he was alone, he says, I and I alone, I reached out to my sister in Spokane, she's got the Holy Ghost, and there is power and agreement. We read in the book, Matthew chapter 18. You read it, you read it for your own. But the, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them where two or three agree on earth. Let everything be established. I call my sister Brittany and I say, Brittany, Mom, did you, did you hear what happened in Chuk? She says, yeah. We need to pray. We need to pray just like Elijah. And I go back to the scriptures because in it is life. I said, Brittany, I don't know what, how the Lord is going to do this, but my reaction needs to be prayer. I need, we need to stand together before the Lord. I can't, reserve, I can't send anything to the postal. There's not going to get there in time, and it's going to spoil. So we pray. We pray. We pray prayers there. And God honors it. God remembers it, Brother Hart. It's not a simple prayer. I was, he put me in a place where I had to depend on him alone and call for something that was unreal. But my mother calls me a couple of days later. I don't remember the exact time frame, but she calls me and says, Jeremy, Jeremy, I don't know what happened, but there's clouds over, overcast and it's raining. It's raining and not just for one soul to be fed, but there, the whole islands in Micronesia got rain. There was, the ports are closed. The way that they get rain is through the mountains. They have these, these tubes that, that catch water, and it runs down to where their little huts are, and they have tanks. But they, were, they had enough water to sustain them. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for these great things, these monumental places in my walk with you. I know that you are the living God, not just of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob and Elijah, but the living God that lives here today in 2000, 2022. It does not matter what year. It's not too hard for the Lord to stretch his hand and reach down and answer a living prayer. Amen. 
I said that not to brag on me or my sister, but the power of agreement. Power of agreement. You're not alone in this. And Elijah made a statement, I and I am alone. And it would lead to something. It would lead to him running. Because we read, In verse, let's go chapter, so he, he prays seven times with his servant between his knees. He humbles himself, and he says that there's a sound of abundance rain, and it rains. Chapter 19, I know I'm skipping, but for sake of time, I'm keeping my eyes open. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab and Jezebel, all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger. Here goes more words, not from God, though. This is a word from someone that wants his life. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time. She's talking about one of the prophets that he slayed, because he took him down after, remember, all of Israel was there, and all those 950 prophets were slain. So Jezebel's threatening him with his life. Verse 3, and when he saw that, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Everybody say his life. His life, because the miracles were great. He was walking with God to the point where, man, God's doing this. God's doing so many great things in my life. This life is good. He doesn't require much. He just requires my obedience. And he requires me to act and requires me to seek him early and all this. But he went for his life and came to Beersheba, and which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. I can't remember where I read this, but this is about 90 miles from where he was to Beersheba. He ran 90 miles for his life. He wanted to get out of, he's a cross-country marathon runner. This man is amazing. And when you read when he came down um, from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, he, he, out, uh, he outran Ahab in his chariot. This man is a runner. This is the spirit of God, of course. But he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah. Read, he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. This is where I was referencing earlier at the outset of this. A man from nowhere. Now he feels like the first day. Day one. You remember day one? Remember day one, now I'm feeling no better, like, like God hasn't done all of these wonderful miracles. For some reason, words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. These words were so crucial to his heart that he felt like he was back on day one. I, not even day one, but before then, I am no better than my father's. Let me go back and just be as a nobody, one that doesn't stand before God but that runs away from God. His reaction should have been, let me stand before God. Okay, I got the messenger. Okay, thank you. Go tell Jezebel. I'll talk to her later. But let me go stand before God. He doesn't do that. He doesn't seek God. He says, oh, no. She, she's actually the one in authority. It's okay when things are going good. And, you know, I wasn't afraid of the prophets because they only operate in the supernatural. They can't kill me. King Ahab, he's not really the one that's going to lay hands on me. But now Jezebel, surely your life will be like this by this time tomorrow. And he takes those words to heart and he runs. He runs for his life. And you remember Matthew 16, 25. Those that shall seek their lives shall lose their lives. But they that lose their life, that the, that lose their lives for my, my, for my sake shall find it. Amen. Same as Obadiah, God wants us to understand that it's not enough. Imagine a man that is not fearful for his life. A man that, can't, that is not fearful for his life cannot be threatened by his life or with his life. You could go further in the kingdom of God. God doesn't, I'm not saying to be a martyr tomorrow or today. If God calls us there eventually in the future, then so be it, but... A man that doesn't prefer his life. Like the rich young ruler that had much things. And honestly, I say, Lord, don't give it to me if I can't, if I'm not willing to give it back. 
don't want enough stuff in my life to say, Lord, I can't walk with you. I can't give this up and follow you till the end. Because this life is just but a vapor. If every one of us can get the idea and the impression that this life is temporary, if they threaten me with my life, then so be it. I love you. I love you. I love you, my wife. I love you, my son, Judah. But there's more to it. I almost want to think about Job. You know, it says that he prayed daily. He sought the Lord. He's the man that stood before the Lord uh, and prayed continue for the saving of his household. And he, obviously the story says that he lost almost everything except for his life. I don't think he could have been threatened for his life. And no matter what, I feel like he had so much resolve. The, the Bible doesn't uh, detail out like, oh, he went into mourning after his kids. Because any parent, any right parent in here, that's hard. That's deep. I'm just a new parent now, and I, I love that little four-month critter. <laughs> and God, you know, shows you all the love that he has for you through, you know, having, having this precious child and how precious it is to you. But in the story of Job, he continues to be faithful through it all. And I, he has an idea that this life is just temporary. It's but a vapor. This is just the building block until what awaits us in the end. Eternity with our Savior. We will see the God, man, Christ Jesus in the flesh. We will be able to worship him as we worshiped him beautifully today. There's still a spirit of worship all in this room. Amen. There's not a man in here that can be threatened and pushed waywardly and say, push you till you can't stand before God anymore if you're not fearful for your life. Amen. First, so let's jump down to first nine. So an angel of the Lord comes before him and gives him food because he's in this depression. He's in heaviness. He wants to, his life to be ended. Gives him food, and he goes on this journey onto Mount Horeb, 40 days and 40 nights. 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 9, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous. For the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And here he goes, I, even I, only am left. I am by myself. I bet the... Your adversary of our souls would love to make you feel like you're by yourself. Not in this sanctuary. It's easy to say, I'm here amongst my brethren. But when you're out there in, the, in your daily lives, the enemy would try to come and whisper in your ears saying, that, well, you're the only one going through your situation. You're probably the only one dealing with your specific, your specific trial. You're alone. You don't need to talk to nobody. You don't need to confess your faults to one another to be healed. I and I am alone. And they seek my life. Here he is still talking about life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Notice, throughout this whole story, throughout Elijah's life, and the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah to move here to the book of Cherith, to go speak this to Ahab. All, this, all these things we read. But here, it says, and after the fire, a still small voice. It's a little different than the word of the Lord coming. I know many of us are familiar with this. So I began to pray about this, like, Lord, what is this still small voice? He brought something into my memory about something that happened between my wife and I, and I would like to share that. I just know that being transparent as possible, if it helps somebody, I want to share it. We had... 
two miscarriages before this beautiful boy. First one is pretty heavy. Second one, I remember being in that hospital room and my wife being in so much pain. I believe everything that comes out of her mouth, sometimes, <laughs> mostly. But she says, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm in so much pain. And she's, it's, I won't spare you the details, but it's pretty ugly in there. And I'm screaming for help. And we rush from the waiting room into, um, into a little temporary holding room. And uh, a nurse rushes in. She gives her morphine. She collapses to the ground. And man, remember what I was talking about? The adversary would like to single you out. It's easy in here, right? But in that moment, I didn't, I knew the Lord was with me. I knew the Lord is forever present. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's the sovereign God. But here I am so focused in, dialed in on this moment right here. And I'm worried. I'm praying for the, praying for this, this child in the womb. Lord, let this child live. I know. I've seen you answer in prayers. I hear the testimonies of my brother. I've seen you answer by rain from my mother. Lord, please answer by fire. Answer by life. Answer by rain today. And the, the baby passed. The baby passed, and we were comforted by the nurses, and the, the nurse was really great. She did as much as she can, and we walked out, went home, and we showed up to church the next Sunday, I believe, and Elder Laksamana says, I want you to minister today, and inside, I'm a little stirred up. I'm broken. I'm, I'm not going to lie. My, not my faith entirely where I'm going to go run, but I didn't stand before God. I was so focused in on one uh, of a promise because she told me I was at school at CLC and promises, you know, we're going to have kids. And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. I believe it. I'll hold on to it. If you get a word from the Lord, I'm, I'm holding on to it, too. That's my word, too. I'm, I'm believing it. But I tell you, that word, that the promise, the word I was almost doubting in that moment. You're not alone. And it's good to get out of your comfort zone. Elder Laksamana probably felt it. This will probably heal him. Grab the microphone and just speak. Minister. He probably didn't know what. He knew. He knew exactly what was going on. And I did share that, and I, I forgot what exactly how I ministered that. But I was open and honest, and it ministered throughout the whole congregation because it's real. This happens in a daily life. You will approach your Mount Carmels, you will approach your Jezebels, your moments when you have to fend for yourself. At the altar, Brother Kendrick comes up to us and he prays over us. He lays hands on us and he begins to prophesy. He begins to speak of, you will be her child. And in the moment, we didn't think he was going to be pregnant. We didn't have him. We didn't know that he would be this cute <laughs> for once. Remember, this is real. This is real time. Literally, days before, I just thought I was going to lose my wife, and lose, I already knew we were losing the baby. I was a hot mess. But I'm here trying to minister the words, like trying to find myself. Forsake not the assembling of the saints. We need each other so much more in this hour, especially when you're going through your own little trial. If it's a drought in your season, I tell you, you're not alone. The enemy would try to single you out and say, no, you're alone. You're the only one going through it. You know, I have an answer for that. You, some, we might not know exactly how, what the answers are for you, or, or we, not, we, we might not have the same exact experience, right, if, if you're going through a trial. But the Lord that we serve, that we pray together with, the Lord that I pray unto, the Lord that he prays unto and he seeks counsel with, he knows the answer. He can give you a word. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. You have to realize the importance of standing before God and not running. Because the word of the Lord would not come unto you. But this is God's grace. It came unto, the angel of the Lord had to come unto him under the juniper tree and give him meat, give him cake. Okay, now you got, you got enough strength. Go up, go up to Mount Oreb. 
But when he stands, when you stand up before your enemy, before your trials, and you say, Lord, I'm going to stand upon your word. I'm going to stand upon your word. I'm going to rely on it. You know, fast forward through this, this testimony. I was at a youth conference, section one, all the way on the west side, and opening up with prayer, and it's beautiful, beautiful worship in our, for our youth. And I remember looking over and seeing the piano player, and I was actually testifying about what God just did in my life with my mother. And when I saw the piano player playing this as I was testifying about it, it was the same nurse that was in the little room <laughs> it was the same nurse that was in the room when, that, when the baby passed and I thought I was going to lose my wife. God is there in the fire. Of course, he's on Mount Carmel for the saving of much because all of Israel came there. But God is also there with the still small voice. He told me I was there in the hospital room. I was aware. I wasn't just present. I was longing and I was mourning alongside with you. I'm telling you, he is more aware of when you're going through trials and the hurt and the pain. He is nigh. If you draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. Yes. I know the scripture says this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm wrapping up. What time is it? So, 10.30. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't mean to mess up the flow, but I know that the word of the Lord is ministering to you t right now. I, wanna, I knew the Lord said, be transparent today. Be real. Don't worry. But I tell you, it's the... He is so good. He is so good. And like the way that he works, it's, it's unlike any other. There's no God in this world, in this earth, in this universe. It's the only living God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Israel. But what's the whole purpose of, the, of Elijah in the end? And I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to cut this really short. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah unto heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So now we have this setting. I know I skipped over it, but uh, Elijah does meet. Um, God, actually, I skipped over a lot. Forgive me. God says that I have, you know, after, um, I never finished that conversation with Elijah and God. But he actually says, uh, I, you are not alone. I have 7,000 reserve that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And he also gives him commission to go look for Elisha. This is the whole purpose of our walks with God, to pour out into another soul. To meet into another soul. It's not just for our own benefit and for all saving of our souls to be here and ministering the word of God and operating in the gifts of God. But it's for the edification of the church. It's for pouring out. I tell you, the busy you are in pouring out to somebody, you won't worry about your life. You see somebody that's so selfless, it's our Sunday school teachers. It's our people teaching Bible studies. These are, this is the maturing of a saint. It's no longer fending for yourself and defending the word of God. I know how to defend the word of God. And, Lord, you've been so good in my life. These wonderful testimonies. Thank you, Jesus. But it's about investing into the next person, pouring out into the next Elisha, into the next person to have them understand the miracle hand of God, to, to understand how to stand before God as you have before. It's so important as fathers, even to teach your sons. Remember, I made this little side comment about the Bible always referencing the father of the sons. Jerob Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Jo Joshua, the son of Nun. God bless you, Nun, because Joshua is a mighty man. 
He's a mighty man of God, and I'm sure that he invested in him mightily because it shows in, in his walk with God. Just like us, men of God, investing into our children, into our future. And the sons of the prophets, verse 3, of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master from thy head today? Hmm. You might be alone. And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold you your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou? They say it again. And I want to jump down to verse 7. Elisha asked for a double portion. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood by Jordan. Here goes another audience. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they divided hither and thither, and so that they went to over on dry ground. Um, let's jump down to verse 11. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. This is beautiful. A man that was so fearful of his life, never tasted death. I'm sure in the end, he no longer cared for his life. God never let him taste of death. He saw a son of his, a prophet, a son, a man from Tishba, finally getting the end factor, the, the, whole, the whole story in one. Son, I've taught you how to invest into a soul. I've taught you how to depend on me even in the most crucial times that my still small voice is still ever prevalent. That your life is not worth anything because you will spend eternity with me. And you will be with all of your brethren that has gone before you. This is the whole end picture. It's for us to be in eternity with him. Elisha came to a point in his spirit at the end of his walk. That's probably how it works. doesn't happen all in the beginning when I first get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there's a process. In the process of time. In the process of obeying and standing before God and getting under the anointing of my leadership and following after the things of God and staying right with God, there's a process and it gets me mature enough to, wow, it's not just about me. And God takes him up in a fiery chariot. Where are we at? Verse 12, and Elisha, and Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Let me pause before we read the end of this. Without hesitation, Elisha understands because somebody taught him how to have faith. He it doesn't, there's no details about it here in these few scriptures in, these, in, in between these chapters. But I tell you, I know. Because nobody can have this kind of faith unless somebody taught them diligently. Somebody spent time with them, prayed, with, taught them how to pray. Taught them how to pray because he says, if you shall see me, if you want this double portion. If you shall see me as I go up into heaven, you, you will receive it. And Elisha saw it, it says in verse 12. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. But he takes his mantle, he takes the mantle of Elijah. He smotes, he smotes the river also, and it parts, and all the prophets, and the audience sees. And a man, and you can read the further, we're going to end there. We don't need to read the story of Elisha, but I, I challenge you to go in there and see the great things that he did. But that's another story. Today, we just focused on a man named Elijah, a, man, a Tishba man from Gilead, a nobody who became a somebody in God, but became greater in the end of his life because he knew that his life wasn't worth anything. It was but temporary, but just a vapor. And he came to a place where it's worth investing into somebody because that's, the, that's how I stand right before God. This is the strength that keeps me going, Brother Luis. When I get to share with somebody, somebody outside that's hungry, we had a wonderful time sharing about people that have, in, that have interacted in our lives with Elder Hart. 
And it's beautiful to see God honoring old prayers and bringing souls back into conversations with you. It's the most beautiful thing. Obviously, we see someone to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Art thou he that troubles Selah? Are you the one that troubles your community at your anger management classes? How worthy, how much more is it worth for a soul? Bishop says in, in 2 Peter, I believe, that God is willing to go to any length, any degree. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not slack in concerning his promises as some men count slackness. I tell you, he's long-suffering, and he's willing to make even the most extreme uh, circumstances manifest right before their eyes. And this time, he will call you to a Mount Carmel and say, go ahead. Ask them the most extreme, Brother Renee. This might not be seem natural, but call for fire. Ask, ask me to make it rain today. But you have to get it in your spirit that it is about love. It is about for the saving of much souls. And if you can get that in your spirit today, God will use and transform you mightily. Amen.